the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. And look, we've already got the chat popping here on a Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Great spring ball primer uh, as we are going to start to have some more information coming out from spring practice across the country we are going to have some spring games that are going to be starting like michigan's coming up this saturday but really the 8th the 15th the 22nd uh, a whole bunch of our favorite teams to talk about all going to be in action so this is a good time for us to get started that we are going to be breaking down some of the quarterback battles that have our attention here in spring practice but first we want to remind you that it was because of you, that we have advanced to being a finalist in the American football category of the Sports Podcast Award. In the episode description here on YouTube and in the episode description on the audio side, we've included a link because we need you to vote. You can only vote once. Voting runs through April 6th. Let's bring this trophy home. Go ahead and vote in the American Football category for the Sports Podcast Awards. Again, the link in the episode description here on YouTube and also on the audio side. Danny's already voted multiple times. That was I have. It was, it was good. I'm all over it. Did you guys see all what over. I did in the uh, Did you guys see what I did in the worksheet pre-show? Oh, I was I was wor- I was doing some work show prep because we have a shared documentary that we're doing. I had three quarterback battles like, ooh, I'm writing this one at the bottom, and I look up, and they're already in there, all three of them. But, well, first of all, it's a document, <laughs> not a documentary. The Google the doc, <laughs> Google doc. <laughs> document. I, I got an alert that uh, a new person has opened the doc for the first time ever. It was Danny Cannell. I was like, whoa, Danny found the doc. <laughs> That's true. There's been at least one other time I've opened it. At least one other time. <laughs> When we had like our uh, spring break like, Did you do this? I had to check the spring break schedule. That was the other time I checked it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we've got a we've got a great week ahead here. As uh, you know, shout out producer Jordan. He's uh, he's taking a little time, so we're we're spending all of it uh, ourselves. 
we the inmates are running the asylum. We have no oversight right now, uh, such as things go here in the last week of Ten- March. Tennessee got knocked out of the tournament, so Jordan took off. <laughs> FAU. Hey, listen. Is that breathing leave, technically? How about Tom Herman <laughs> being better luck for FAU than Steve Sarkeesian was for Texas? I mean, when mm. Steve Sarkeesian rolled up into the building, we were, you got to think Texas fans were like, uh-oh, this is going to end <laughs> with a blown lead. We are certainly not going to be able to hold on to this. This is, this is going to be disastrous. I just can't believe Texas came up short in a big spot. I just uh, you never see that from Texas. That's <laughs> so so weird. Hey, look, let's let's begin right there with the because uh, I already saw in the uh, in the chat someone who knows exactly how uh, we do things here. Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. Yeah, Joe knows what's up. Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. Quarterback battle. Texas starting quarterback. Spring practice. Quinn Ewers is the incumbent starter. He was excellent in flashes, and if we put together like a highlight reel, like, man, that guy, no question. That is QB1 through and through. Arch Manning comes in as the most famous recruit in the modern era and with a rating from scouts that it's perfect. Right, bud? Any 100? Uh, yeah, I believe, believe he's right, number one in the country for us. And, and yours is a 100, too. Yeah. Steve Sarkeesian has two hundies out here. Spring ball at Texas. What is the expectation? Because we've this has clearly been an ongoing conversation online, offline. And I feel like we both have heard people who should know that yeah, Arch is in the mix. And people who should know say, yeah, Arch is probably going to redshirt. So as we sit here on March 27th, spring game coming up on April 15th, what are we expecting from the Texas quarterback battle? I I think they probably will stage it up as a battle, right? Quinn Ewers last year missed too many throws. His arm talent is clearly there, and we know he hurt the what the hand or the finger or whatever it was. Um, and I, I think that showed for a couple games after that, which was sort of that, that October range. I mean, he missed a lot of passes against was it Oklahoma State? I, I think they were just they, he just looked very mm-hmm. off. Um, but. Look, Steve Sarkeesian does a tremendous job of scheming up open throws for his guys, and you have to hit them. So I I think that I have confidence in Quinn Ewers progressing, understanding the offense a little more, hitting those throws on time and accurately. And and I think that Arch Manning will redshirt. But I I don't know that, right? And because Sark does such a good job of scheming stuff open, and because I think that offensive line will be a lot better, and and the offense really could be better even though it loses Bijan, if yours is still missing open throws, maybe Arch doesn't redshirt. Maybe Arch takes it. I think it's Quinn's job. I think that it's probably best for Quinn to have the competition, though. Like, I don't think you should present it as, like, I don't think this is what Sark's doing either. I just think that the plan is probably to have Arch come in in redshirt. I think that has been the plan all along because it's not like Arch didn't know Quinn Ewers was there when he committed to Texas. But I think that for the sake of the team, you want to have an actual competition. You can't just let Quinn Ewers go into the spring and into the summer thinking that the job is his. Because as Bud mentioned, as good and as talented as he is, and I've heard people talk about how he's the best quarterback in the country. I mean, I've heard people say that, believe it or not. 
I think that he needs somebody pushing him. And I think every quarterback, every player at every position is always helped by having somebody who's pushing them for the job. It keeps them working. It keeps them improving on what they need to fix. So I think if you're the Longhorns, you want Arch pushing him for the gig this spring. You want Arch pushing him for the gig this summer and into the fall, even if your plan is that he is the starter. So I think we are going to see the competition until the season starts. I think Quinn Ewers will be the starter. And unless something goes wrong, then he's going to probably remain the starter all season long. I'm a little more bullish on Arch Manning. Um, I also I'm kind of changing my mind on the red shirt aspect to it. If Quinn Ewers balls out this year, he's eligible to go, right? Yep. Yeah. So he's gone. Then you got two years, three years potentially, if you want him to ball out. If you're Arch Manning, you know, like so, why wouldn't you be the primary backup and start getting reps if you're not the starter? But I'm more inclined also. Quarterback position is about intangibles and tangibles, right? We can all like because they're let's just say they're on equal footing as far as gifts, right? They're both extremely, you know, they've got all the tools, the, the physical skill set that you would want. I'm not so sure that Quinn Ewers has the intangibles like checkbox, like he's got the it factor where guys gravitate toward him. I don't know if Arch Manning has that yet, but I know he's seen a lot better examples of what it takes to showcase it. I mean, even a little thing, it was kind of stupid. And this is going to be annoying because we're going to get a lot of this. But it was like Arch Manning's on spring break, and ooh, he's training on spring break. That was a, you know over the weekend. I'm like, but the guy did announce one quick. You know, it was not a big P, you know publicity stunt when he went to Texas. Like, I think he's very focused and and intentional for a young high school athlete to come in there. And I think he wants to play. I think he wants to pressure. So I think it's Quinn Ewers' job to lose. But I think Arch Manning will challenge him for it. I think it's going to be a mistake to say out the gate, Arch, you are redshirting. Quinn Ewers, like injury history. Like how, how much, like what is the full body of work of Quinn Ewers? Like what is the chance that he ends up, you know, taking a knock? I would much rather, you know, have, to your point, Danny, I would much rather have Arch Manning lined up as QB2 and like being ready to go, being on you know, in those meetings, in all the preparation, going through as if he's going to be out there and be the starter because Quinn Ewers gets a, a little nick if what it, what it was a fingernail. What was our rumor about like accuracy wasn't good because he had banged his finger up a little mm-hmm. bit? Anything that is going to lead to lesser production at the quarterback position, I think that you've got to have um, Manning ready to go. And also, Manning's probably three and done. Like, don't yeah. commit to a red shirt. And right. if you're Texas football, miss out on whatever he can be able to offer uh, offer. And that's sort of what Dougie's on right here. Uh, that was what I was saying too. Like why, why red shirt? You can come in, you can get valuable reps too. Let's say, let's say yours gets the breath knocked out. Like the, you know, just, Hey, you got to get a series like against Bama. Like those are valuable reps you can get in those moments. Even if you're just the backup. And I mean, look what happened against Bama last year. He did get knocked out of the game there too. So you're going to want your best player to back him up, and I have a strong feeling that's going to be Arch Manning. Any other thoughts before we uh, take it to the uh, the two-time reigning national champions? I, the only thought I had is, like, is Malik Murphy still on the roster? Yes. Yes. I haven't heard anything about him, but, I mean, he was a guy we liked a lot coming out of high school. So I, I'm kind of curious, does he factor into that at all? I mean, he, he was a, a true freshman last year. I mean, he could factor into pushing Manning. Like if Manning gets out there in spring ball or fall camp and it's just not coming together, the the battle, like there, 
there is a scenario that you could paint for me where Quinn Ewers is the QB one and Arch on week one is QB three, just because sure. co- coaching staff doesn't doesn't feel like everything's put together. They trust Murphy to be able to go out there in that situation where Quinn gets the breath breath knocked out of him and be able to execute at a higher level. My prediction is Malik Murphy's in the transfer portal at some point. Because Before I mean, August. yeah, because like he's competing with Arch for the number two job, and all of a sudden, in all reality, this spring. But if he loses that job to Arch, because it's like you know, once Ewers leaves, it's Arch Manning who's going to be his replacement. So if you're Malik Murphy, I mean, maybe he's just competitive as hell, and he's like, nah, screw that, I'm going to be trying to beat Arch Manning every single day. But just the way things usually go, I think he's bound for the portal at some point. Is this the best quarterback room at the Power Five level? Got to be near the top. Hmm. I mean, talent-wise, you've got talent two 100-rated recruits and another five-star that's, like, fighting to finish third. I think I would rate USC's higher because I'm, I'm going to put a lot of weight on the guy that's actually proven it and, and played at an elite level. Like, so, I, I mean, USC's got a five-star freshman, and, and they had the, the Heisman Trophy winner coming back. So, for me, that's that's USC. I, I I'm banking a little more on proving the potential there, which maybe as the recruiting guy on the show, that's a little weird for me to do, but I I don't know. I, g- give me USC quarterback room. Bud says stars don't matter. Print it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Clip it. Print it. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, we've uh, discussed this quarterback competition a little bit, I guess, uh, last week because Kirby Smart came out, gave the lay of the land. The idea that uh, this would be Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift sharing first-team reps, Gunnar Stockton getting in the mix as well. Of course, uh, for those who have not been keeping up, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin is off to the NFL. He is going to be with the Baltimore Ravens. And and to replace him, we do have a new offensive coordinator, but it's the old offensive coordinator, and it's a familiar name. It was a promotion for Mike Bobo up to OC. Georgia Bulldogs spring game like Texas also on April 15th. They are, um, you know, they are underway. We've, we've got a little bit of, of reports that we can chew on here. Um, just we, we can be quick since we did give a, a good amount of time to this quarterback battle earlier this month, but just any, any updated thoughts in terms of, you know, where you would be placing your bets here. I'm still on the Carson Beck train. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I, He's been in the system the longest. Now, we say the system, which is interesting because technically Mike Bobo is running a different offense than, than what Munkin ran, but I, I do think he's going to run an offense with a lot of similarities given that Georgia has just won back-to-back national titles, and they look you know, fairly loaded on offense again. Uh, I, I think they will have to throw the ball around a little bit more as well because Dar- Darnell Washington, when he was healthy, really did give them a, kind of a different vibe on that offense, and they, they lose a couple key players to the NFL draft off that offensive line. But they bring in Dominic Lovett. I think the receiving core will be better. You still have Bowers chuck the ball around too. Um, I, but I think it's going to be the guy that, that chucks to the receivers, uh, having more of an edge here, actually. I mean, I, I think it's got to be Beck. I just – Van de Griff, I know, is highly rated. He's only played like 20 snaps in college, and that's the other thing. Like Carson Beck, I've seen play. And granted, when Carson Beck has been in the game, things have typically been pretty comfortable for Georgia. Like, it hasn't been high-pressure situations. But when he's playing, he looks really good. Like, he has played well and performed well. So just based on the fact that he's been the number two, he has played well when they've put him into games. It's just hard for me to believe, even with the new OC and technically everybody getting a quote-unquote fresh start, it's hard for me to think that Carson Beck isn't the guy. Um. Could Georgia do the Michigan thing where they treat 
the early part of the schedule as the preseason and they yes. play all these guys? Yeah. And yes. if so, w when would you say on the schedule that that preseason ends? Because I'm looking at this. November? Auburn. Yeah, I mean, like, they're three-score three favorites really until the last day in September. I mean, UTM, Ball State, South Carolina in Athens are going to be, you know, probably 17, 20-point favorites over those guys. UAB at home at, at Auburn, I think Danny nails it. Like, you could potentially go four weeks rotating quarterbacks if you wanted to here, working them all through, figuring it out. And, and get a real feel for it. This is, and we shot a video on this a while back. Like, this is one of the weird positions where co coaches get it wrong because it's probably the least correlated to height, weight, speed. And it is hard to simulate in game decision making, as, as I'm sure Danny could tell you. But if I'm, if I'm Kirby Smart, unless there's a clear winner, I'm, I'm letting these guys run it out during September. Speaking I just wonder, football. too, if they'll do the, I mean, that was really outside the box what Harbaugh did. I would, I would have loved that in any competition, being like, you're going to give me the ones. I would have hated if I was the starter like the guy that if i'm carson beck and you're the guy coming in as number one and you got to give up that start in week two i'd be a little bit irritated but like i think that is the truest way to get an evaluation rather than have the backups go in there in the second half and then it's just not a real simulation but i think this one could play out too because we miss all the time on guys because they're great practice players and they're great even in spring scrimmages because they're not live they're not getting hit or they're blown dead you know, that's another aspect. Some of these guys being able to run, you know, you see those, they they want to protect them. So, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you guys how many fights there have been where, oh, that was a sack. Oh, that wasn't a sack. And they're arguing about it. Meanwhile, you threw a touchdown pass because they didn't say it was a sack and you look great. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, like you just, it, you never really know until it's actually the lights are on and God, there's live bullets flying. Carson Beck, I don't know how live these bullets are, but against South Carolina, comes into the game uh, mop-up duty. And what does he do with mop-up duty? Five for six, 9.2 yards per attempt and a touchdown. Comes in for mop-up duty against Vanderbilt, eight for 11, 98 yards and two touchdowns. The man has three touchdowns against SEC competition, never had a performance with a passing uh, completion percentage against SEC opponents of lower than 70%. To Tom's point, the man, uh, the, the man looked good, for sure. Coming up on the other side, from the Georgia Bulldogs, on over to Tuscaloosa for the quarterback battle between Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, our expectations, and how new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, what his profile, how that might factor into our thoughts. Next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Georgia quarterback competitions really bring out some names. Y'all ever do the Remembering Dudes game 
Just mm-hmm. sit around and remember some dudes. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much ninety percent of my life, Chip. Dewan Mathis. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a player. I was a football player for the Georgia Bulldogs and the Temple Owls. Um, okay, the Alabama Crimson Tide. We got to see Jalen Milrow a little bit uh, when Bryce Young got hurt last year. He had the start in the full game against Texas A&M. He came in against Arkansas, prevented what looked like it was a little bit of a hairy situation against the Razorbacks. His competition here uh, primarily is going to be Ty Simpson, the former five-star prospect, did not see much significant action last year. And as we mentioned before the break, Tommy Reese is the new offensive coordinator. It's an Alabama offense, and I'll just repeat this again because it, it stood out to me. Nick Saban is sending the message either to us, his team, or both that he feels confident in a lot of pieces and the quarterback position is where he needs to see some development. I think that's a challenge to both the players here. He's trying to motivate and push them. But if that assessment is correct, then this is a very, very important battle because of what it might mean for the SEC title race. So how how are we feeling right now about the Milrose-Simpson battle? I, I really don't know what to think, right? I mean, Jim Miller last year, Five and a half yards per attempt is is not going to work. I mean, if, if he does, if he gets the starting job and does that, he's getting benched, right? Mm-hmm. So like that, that that's not good enough to play for a team that has goals like Alabama has. On the other side, Simpson is a guy who does have nice tools, um, and he was a five star in the twenty twenty one class. That twenty twenty one class is also the class that was you know coming off the COVID year, and I. I put less stock personally in star ratings across the entire industry following the COVID year, just like a lot of those early draft takes from that year, right? It was just that there were a disparate range of outcomes there compared to the normal. Uh, my guess here is that Tommy Reese will go with Simpson because he's more of a passer, unless Milrow has taken a step throwing the ball that I'm not aware of, and maybe he has. But I, I kind of lean Simpson. The, what's most interesting about this quarterback battle to me is kind of like what you were saying there, but we don't really know. This is what, like, the, the, the previous ones we've talked about with Texas and Georgia, we don't know, but we kind of know. It's not hard to figure out because of the experience. But the other thing, too, like, Alabama didn't get a transfer quarterback this year, which suggests, hey, they were comfortable with their QB room. But did they go after any transfers and just not get them, or did they just not, were they not interested at all? I don't think that they pursued any transfers to my knowledge. Now, mm-hmm. there was a rumor going around that, like, Drake May. If Drake May wanted to bounce, then, and look, obviously, Nick Saban would be an idiot to say no to Drake May if he did want to leave North Carolina. But, you know, Drake May already said no to those guys one time as, as a recruit, right? Yeah. yeah. So if, if we take that for what it is and say they didn't go after, clearly they might not know who the starter is, but they're comfortable with their options. But I'm with you in that I think based on what I have seen from Tommy Reese at Notre Dame, Ty Simpson is probably a better fit. But I have also seen Tommy Reese with quarterbacks who are more mobile than they are passers at this point in their career and have success with them. So I don't know which way this is going to go. I think that when we look at all these QB battles at like the bigger programs, like the national title contenders, this is probably the one that I would have to say is the biggest coin flip. Like, I genuinely have no idea. I think this will be a legit competition in the spring, in the summer, and into the fall. I think so, too. I would lean towards Simpson just because the style of play. Uh, But again, like we've said this before, the guy who's been the backup and played the most, I do think, is in the driver's seat. 
But again, kind of similar to Mother's situation too. You have a new offensive coordinator. So some of those, you know, that you earn that respect to the coaches who see you on game day, you're getting a new guy in there. So I think this probably is a pretty fair, you know, battle that's going to take place. Um, and this one, unlike Georgia, they've got Middle Tennessee week one, then they've got Texas week two at home. Like they kind of mm-hmm. do have to figure this one out. And I mean, we've we've also seen Alabama miss on quarterbacks before too, and change midseason and find a guy who was it when they were playing. Uh, what's what's the most? Um, who they start against USC? Didn't they screw that one up? And then yeah, was Jay that Hurts one did not start against USC? Oh, he came was, in uh, that game and, and took over, right? Right. The guy that had like a serious frat boy name, um, right? I'm, I'm trying to think. It, it was like really Chad. Was it Chad? Oh, shoot, was it I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the Chad. I remember. It wasn't Blake Barnett. It was somebody else. Uh, no, it was him as well. It was um, the, the chat's gonna gonna chime in on this. Barnett Chad. played in that game too. Cooper Bateman. There we go. Cooper there we go. Bateman. Cooper yeah. Bateman and Blake Barnett both played in that game, but it was Jalen Hurts who uh, who came in and took it over and won that job, leading Alabama to a fifty-two to six win. In a battle of iconic big brands, neutral field, big old national television spotlight, Bama just pasted them. It wasn't even five minutes ago if Chip was asking us if we ever played Remember Some Dudes. And now here we are playing Remember Some Dudes, Cooper Bateman, Blake Barnett, some dudes. Y'all remember we, and it was so funny. Tom was talking about how back in the day you had to watch Alabama play against all these FCS teams and win 50 to nothing. And in 2016, Alabama played USC and won 52 Mm -hmm. to six. Um, (laughs) But I need you, I need your help here. So we've got, we've got Jermaine Burton back. We've got Ja'Cory Brooks back. I need you to help me like wrap my mind around Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law, Isaiah Bond, and maybe other names that you might want to throw out here because the Alabama wide receiver position has been a position where we have had highly touted prospects fall short of expectations. Our expectations, the coaching staff's expectations, it has been relative to what it can be in the modern era, let's say like since 2015, Alabama's wide receivers have been relatively a weakness to our expectations of what Alabama's offense can be, particularly with Bryce Young at the quarterback position. So do we think that Alabama's wide receiver room is in a spot where um, that plays a big role in who ends up getting this job? I I think this receiver room is almost certainly improved. Now there is a guy you you didn't mention that everybody needs to know out there. His name is Malik Benson and he is a junior college receiver and apparently he is the goods. So I would expect him to come in and compete for a starting spot immediately at Bama. So when you put him, with Burton and Brooks and Kobe Prentice. I think that's a really nice four. They have some young guys behind them, obviously, as, as Chip mentioned, with, with Law and Bond. And you also got Maryland uh, tied in CJ Dupree, who I thought mm-hmm. was really good for Maryland and kind of an underrated get there in the transfer portal. Maybe not underrated. I, mean, I think we have him rated pretty highly, but under-talked about, right? Because he's not maybe a 70-catch a guy, but he's a dude that can actually play as an inline Y, which I, I know, um, obviously, I, the, the new OC, Tommy Reese, will like to use, I, I think that the pass catchers here are better than uh, than worth what they were last year. Hey, listen, and I haven't we haven't ticked off Notre Dame fans yet, but I mean, man, Tommy Reese to to look at outside receivers like this, wow, <laughs> be able to just step up and feel like you could just really unlock uh, aspects of the offense that haven't been there uh, before. And that's super commenter Michael's music entering the chat. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh-oh. Uh, all right, so let's let's take a, a look at Ohio State. This one is uh, another new-ish OC, not like a Tommy Reese outside hire. We've promoted Brian Hartline to the offensive coordinator position. Kyle McCord has been C.J. Stroud's primary backup for the last couple of years, and I don't know. Devin Brown is is what I've got as the challenger here. I does it does this seem like a challenge to you? Do you believe that Kyle McCord is fighting for QB one here in spring practice? I think he's definitely got the advantage being in there, being in the system, being in the offense longer. I probably I would give it to him, but I kind of want Devin Brown to win the job because Devin Brown wears number thirty three, and I just really want there to be a quarterback wearing number 33. That would be fun. So no offense to Kyle McCord, but I, I'm rooting for Devin Brown. Did he switch? Yeah. He switched this no, offseason to 33. That's pretty awesome. Oh, he did? Because I'm looking at a picture of him in 15. Why did he switch? I don't know. Because it's he's cool to be a quarterback job, number 33. Or, or because he's switching positions. No quarterback <laughs> wants to have 33. I guarantee you that. Oh, what do we know about Devin Brown? Like, what's what is the the book and the like? I can I can read off a bio for you right now, but like, Bud, what was the what was the um the read on him coming out of Utah? So big time tools. He's a guy who was kind of raw and then really really took off his senior year of high school and just kept getting better and better and better. It ended up just outside five star status for us at twenty four seven Sports. Like good athlete, not somebody who's going to run for you know fifteen hundred yards or anything like that, but but capable guy who can scramble around. He's not like one of these six six dudes who really can't run. Really productive in high school. Does have a nice arm, and I, I mean, Ohio State is doing what you want to do. Like they just keep stacking guys with a lot of talent and hope that it works out. I I tend to think that Kyle McCord will beat out Devin Brown, but again, like, this is kind of what makes this offseason fun. For a lot of these, I, I wouldn't wager a whole lot on one guy over another necessarily uh, just with what we know because they both have talent and, and both haven't really played all that much. Uh, the you tweet know what I from Devin Brown when he, when he announced the Twitter number because you asked Danny. Yeah. He tweeted number 33, the OG QB number, first quarterback in Canton, Hall of Fame class of 63, slinging Sammy Baugh. That's why he switched to 33. I, I think he's QB1. I just that right based on that, 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 that right yeah appreciation of history. I mean, kids, yeah. kids these days they can't even remember twenty minutes ago. All right, you know, to, to really find an old soul like Devin Brown out there really encourages you about the future of uh, future of this country. This is a Devin Brown podcast now. It might be. Kyle McCord, I, I like get in the portal and get now, out of town. How much do we factor in that Kyle McCord was the high school quarterback for Marvin Harrison Jr.? Oh, a hundred percent. Like, he was the, do he was we the think that matters? Player. Yes. I okay. think did it matter for Kyle McCord's rating <laughs> as a recruit? Uh, a <laughs> well, it, it did help him get named the Gatorade uh, Player of the Year in the state of Pennsylvania. Yes, mm -hmm. that that 100% has to uh, has to factor into his statistics, which were prolific, and you know some of his rating coming out of uh, high school. But no, it it does feel like that. I, I wrote a story for CBSSports.com talking about quarterback battles, and I said that this is one that I'm just gonna like get ahead of because come Saturdays this fall, did you know they were high school teammates? Is gonna be right <laughs> up there with uh, was it the McCoy and Shipley? Did McCoy you know they roommates? Yep. Tebow yeah. and Riley Cooper. Tebow and Riley Cooper. Um, there was a couple other ones like 
did you know he has a twin? It's on yeah, the same yeah. team. Like, yeah. Just, just, yeah. yeah. So if, when, <laughs> when the production crew goes out a little, a little too long and they, they forget to kind of do the whole shot sheet, it's like, all right. If we can't do about the battle. What? You know, the thing about these battles I think was interesting. So CJ Stroud talking to it at the combine, and I don't remember if it was on air or just off air. I cannot remember when we said this because it was kind of like funny, but also it stuck with him. We mentioned something how like wherever you go, it's gonna be hard to play. And he's like, There ain't no place to play like Columbus. Like, and he remembered the Minnesota game. He's like, I remember Minnesota, they were booing like. Do you remember the first half against Minnesota, his first start? Mm-hmm. And there was like Twitter was going nuts, like get him out of there. He's a bum, mm-hmm. like get him out. And then he came back, bounced back the second half. But to me, that's a big part of why you want to see those guys go out there and play. Who can take that heat and criticism? Who can hear the boos? Because you'll hear them and respond and it doesn't phase them and which guys will collapse. Because I think that's a that's a big you know test that you have to pass as a quarterback. You know, in order to survive um, those struggles, the uh, McCord and this is uh, this is coming in from Sue in the chat. McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. won three straight state titles together, and McCord has the all-time passing record in Pennsylvania. That's you know that's a that's a that's a that's a lot to to go up against, but I think that our guy number thirty-three, Devin Brown, slinging Sammy Brown, can can go ahead and get it done. This is a Devin Brown podcast. You know, the one thing we haven't the the elephant in the room we're ignoring here is Lamar Jackson a candidate for any of these jobs? Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson trade, (laughs) Lamar Jackson trade rumors, Lamar Jackson. Um, a darn Schefter. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Wait, was that fake? That Could tweet? Jalen Milrow be yeah. the next Lamar Jackson? Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. Let me write that down. Put that in yeah, the topic could, bar. Yeah. Could Jalen Milrow be the next Lamar Jackson? Uh, all right. Perhaps the most interesting quarterback battle to me is taking place in Oxford, Mississippi, where the Rebels have an incumbent starter. From a team that got up to top ten in the in the poll, started seven and zero, but then ended the season on a losing streak. And Jackson Dart, that quarterback, the incumbent starter, now is looking across the field and he sees a four year starter at Oklahoma State named Spencer Sanders with a whole lot of wins to his name and a highly touted recruit initially signed to LSU, named Walker Howard. Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard, three players that would be in the battle for starting quarterback at maybe half of the Power 5 schools, and yet here they all are here, all of them coming from the transfer portal to play for the Portal King Lane Kiffin. Spring game coming up on April 15th. Uh, spring practice already underway. What do we make of, uh, of, this, of this battle here for Ole Miss? This one's the wildest of all of them, I think. Right? Yeah. It is so, and I could see them all playing all season long. Uh, it depends on how the season unfolds. I don't. Know. This one, this one just reeks of somebody's not going to be happy, but they're stuck there. The timing of it, and I, for Spencer Sanders to go there and know what was in front of him tells me maybe he was told something. Right? Like, I mean, I don't. This one to me, I think is going to be the wild one. I mean, how close? 
Spencer Sanders has 10,000 career passing yards and a 30 to 11 record as a starter. And he yeah. on the SEC was available. Why? Yeah. Like <laughs> he could have called is he actually hurt. Is he hurt with the shoulder thing? Could he actually come back to Oklahoma state? Did he want to go to Ole Miss or did he want to go elsewhere? Maybe he didn't have the option to do so. I, I don't know. I'm I'm devaluing Spencer Sanders some from what his career says he is until I, I see otherwise. Like I, I feel like the last six or seven months for him have not really uh, been on a positive trajectory. So I'm not trying to like bash the kid. I'm just saying I, I think he may just be tapped out. Uh, but Lane Kiffin schemes everything open for you really well, and I think for that reason, I mean Jackson Dart clearly did not play very well last year, and they probably got like the least amount out of that offense that they could with Dart. So I, I guess you can't rule out Sanders and, and Howard feels like a long play for that. Right. Right. Because they didn't get in on uh, Rashada. Right. And, and they, they had a connection there and decided not to pursue it in the way that Florida pursued it. So maybe taking Walker Howard is your answer for not landing the, the five-star type quarterback in, in Rashada last year. It's, and one of the interesting things about this thing to me, like besides – the actual interest of the battle in which I don't know who's going to win. If Spencer Sanders does win, because you mentioned all three of these kids have already transferred. We saw last week, like the NCAA that they're putting out, you know, for they're trying to make the second transfer more difficult. Like you can't, you know, there's got to be specific reasons. What happens if Spencer Sanders wins and Jackson Dart and Walker Howard are sitting there? Like, I think you're right, bud. Walker Howard's probably a long-term play, so maybe he would be like, yeah, I'll sit for a year because Sanders is only going to be here a season and then it's my job. But if you're Jackson Dart and you're do you like, are you the first one to really go with the second transfer and then be like, my mental health being the third-string quarterback is too much for me to handle? Because that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, like that's that's the excuse everybody's going to start using because that's the only way they're going to be able to get through it, and you can't really question it. Is that one of the like loopholes that they have? Yes. Mm. Interesting. So that's going to be getting abused like crazy. That that, that is until these these uh, things like until they get sued, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's going to be oh well, it, it's it's you know kind of free agency again. But uh, even I, in the, I don't think it's going to hold up. Even in, in the more archaic rules, the, if you wanted it bad enough, you could work it, right? And if something got blocked, there was usually either uh, some kind of backlash or the threat of legal action that would often make a program step down. Tom I can't, Mars is going to make a comeback. I mean, isn't he already out here, like still crushing it? Oh, Tom, um, I do want to note this year on Georgia – or excuse me, on, on Ole Miss, this is the year they draw Georgia from the East. So they, they always get Vandy, which, which is pretty helpful. But this year they actually have to play Georgia. So I think they're all going to play. But that Lane's just going to like be pulling. Yeah, up. I think it goes into the season. I don't know if any of them are good enough to really resonate. You well, know, the best quarterback they had left. Luke, Luke Altmaier transferred to Illinois. Yeah. I mean the. The passing game for Ole Miss was not only not the strength, but it was like not, not plus value. Jackson Dart throwing the ball in a third and long situation, 
It's like, oh, wait a second. When they're not ahead of the chains and playing with tempo and Quinshawn Judkins is, you know, getting us all off balance and they've got all the different running backs and, you know, keep them on their heels. All you needed to do was get like one sack or one negative play. And all of a sudden, if Jackson Dart was facing third and long, they were cooked. And Ole Miss offense can't do nothing with that. So it, I, I am, uh, is Walker Howard a uh, – is he a runner? But, like, does he run no, much? Not, no, no, no. He, he's more of a thrower. Yeah, that's another one. I How many I... XFL MVPs is Spencer Sanders going to win? <laughs> is the XFL <laughs> around next year? Yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm going to say yeah. Are you kidding? They got um, – the XFL, I think, is in better management hands right now. I think Who's running it now? The McCarran, Rock. Tearing it up. Let's go. Battlehawks, I think. Um, coming up on the other side, get this ad ready to go. Coming up on the other side, we do have some true freshmen that are already on campus, already making waves. So let's let's dive into the chances that we see Dante Moore, Miko, and others as a starting quarterback in 2023. That and more next. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Chip Kelly has an interesting quarterback battle going on. Unfortunately for fans, no spring game for us to be able to pick apart and dissect. But he does have some workouts going on. you got Colin Schley, who transferred into the program from Kent State. You've got Ethan Garbers, who has been uh, the backup to Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the last couple of years. And five-star quarterback Dante Moore flipped from Oregon on campus, taking part in the onboarding process and spring practice. Who do we think ends up being the QB one for the Bruins? You, you probably want it to be Dante Moore. I think if in an ideal world, Dante Moore would play well enough this spring, summer, and fall that he starts the year as your number one. I think more realistic, you're going to see Schleer Garbers starting the year as the quarterback with Dante Moore being slowly worked in. So they open with Coastal at San Diego State, North Carolina Central, and then and, and they, they should win all those games. And then at Utah, September 23rd. So they do have a couple weeks to figure this out, m- much like some of these teams do. I I mean, look, Dante Moore is really polished. So it wouldn't shock me if he won this. I, I think Schley is uh, probably going to be sold here as like the experienced guy who knows how to play. But Schley to me is still a lot of potential. He showed some really nice things at Kent State, but he also got hurt and really wasn't uh, a guy who was a you know, week-in, week-out dependable dude, but he showed he showed some real flashes. And Garbers is probably the guy that you know, knows the offense the most and maybe doesn't have the, the biggest tools. But you know, Moore was not one of those five stars whose five stars just based on like, hey, the tools are so damn good, you have to put five stars on them because you'll look like an idiot in a couple of years if you don't. He was like a nice blend of tools, yes, but also – feel for the game, experience at the high school level. I mean, he, he threw more passes in, in high school than just about anybody. The guys played a lot of football. I mean, high school, but still played a lot. 
I, I'm going to go Dante Moore here. I like it. I can't. I, I'm interested to see post DTR what they could be. You know, because DTR was like kind of there, but did But it kind of reminds me of like the uh, the Chris Ricks era at yes. Florida State. Like you want him to take that next step, and you see like little flashes, and you're like, oh, that's what we're gonna go. And then you have a setback, and then it's like, oh, and it's just kind of always good, but never great. And that's where I think should like UCLA fans probably are pretty excited about is man could we get a quarterback that and i don't even i don't think it'll take that long to get better play at quarterback so but i think it's exciting if it's dante Moore, but even if it's slee i think just the stability you could have more consistent quarterback play to your point danny um chip kelly has been the head coach of the ucla bruins for 56 games dorian thompson robinson was the starting quarterback in 48 of those 56 games the man mm-hmm. has started games in five different seasons. It has, it has been the entirety of the Chip Kelly era. And Chip Kelly, who we always associate with offense and DTR, has been, you know, like for to your point, for better or worse, like he has been the barometer for how that offense is going to perform. Garbers is interesting to me uh, because he's a. And Bud, like, feel free to jump in here if I'm off on any of this. But four-star player initially signed to Washington. But he spent that 2020 COVID year in Washington, and he was like, this is awful. I don't want to be a part of this program. And then he, you know, obviously it didn't go well for Washington. That's why they made the change. Then he goes, he joins up with UCLA prior to 2021, which means he has two seasons as a backup to DTR in the system. I I just was digging around and thinking, like, why not Garbers? Like, maybe being overlooked just a little bit in this competition. And to your point, Bud, about Schley, there's a lot of, it seems like NFL people are excited about what he could be, but the track record is up and down. I mean, the actual production and the statistics that he had for Kent State wasn't all awesome. He, threw, he had some picks, you know, he's, it wasn't overwhelming in the amount of yards. So I'm, I think that Dante Moore is it, the exciting buzzy thing, but I, I'm not going to automatically say that it's more. And if not more than it's Schley, because I think that Garbers might be able to poke his head up in this competition as well. Have we ever had this many Power 5 jobs that we felt were legitimately open? I was going to add a mailbag question for Thursday, and um, or at least the thought started this. Is, how many quarterback jobs at the Power Conference level are actually fit, like not a competition? Because mm-hmm. it's less than half. Oh, wait. So, wait how, how, many, how many P5 teams do we have now? 69. 69. Nice. So we, we don't think that there's 35 where, where it's locked in? Oh, definitely not. Really? Hmm. Returning starters? I think we would. Well, I mean, not because reti- you've got a returning starter at yours all. Yours is a returning starter. You know, yours is a returning starter. Like I, I think that would, where it is not a competition. For example, um, the Miami is in a place right now where they came out and they were like, Tyler Van Dyke is QB one. You know, we are yeah. talking about him like he is the starter. Maybe that was going to be a little bit of question, but the messaging is is not. I would I would guess that less than half of the sixty nine power conference programs are are going in and with a this is our guy, even if it's like a all jobs are open type situation. Would it be a good podcast segment to just list every school? <laughs> well, especially with Clemson, yes. 
Florida State, yes. Especially without preparing, just to figure yeah, it out yeah, on yeah. the fly. That's, that's what would be really good. <laughs> so say, it would be a good podcast. Again, this I actually is kind of how I did did the list today, along with Chip. I went through the schools and I'm like, all right, who who is the starting there? And just kind of, you know. Well, I mean, you also there was, there was also ones on there where you're like, Virginia Tech. And I was just so like, yuck. I mean, yeah. no, no offense to Grant Wells or Kyron Drones, wow. but I just – I think that my expectations for the Virginia Tech offense and the level of quarterback play that we got from the Virginia Tech Hokies last year just didn't enthuse me about what we're talking about in terms of the battle. That's an important I'm, one, though. I'm I mean, not necessarily saying he's good, but I will say I am always entertained by watching a game in which Grant Wells is playing quarterback. I, I will tell you he's not good. Like, definitely, definitely not, not good at football. Um, <laughs> wow. Like, he's bad. Uh, it, wow. they, they gotta they gotta get that over right by the or he's gonna get fired after two years. <laughs> I, I, man, right. my my AC broke and I'm 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 so ticked today. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I had to haul this little like portable AC up to the office and I'm sure the audio sounds like crap and we only have a producer today, so maybe maybe this will sound really bad in post too. Uh no, I'm not here for Grant Wells. Grant Wells didn't uh, break the AC. Yeah, come on. <laughs> no, I know, but like, if if they get the same level of production at quarterback this year, does Brent Pry get year three? I don't know, that, man. That was a disaster last year. Yeah, that's um, and the the problem is he's saying all the right things that are not like he is messaging that they need to get better all through the back half of last season. He was talking about like, yeah, we are not like good in these areas. We need to get better. He is trying his darndest to be able to, to fix this thing and not just be a defensive coordinator who takes over a program and can't figure out how to field an offense. Cause unfortunately that's a stereotype and a narrative that it's going to develop if they come out and stink again on offense. Have you guys seen this hokey schedule, by the way? But this is this is like if I'm Brent Pry, I want to punch my AD for scheduling this. <laughs> so they start out four teams and a couple of them are G five. But listen to this: Eesh. Old Dominion, Purdue, at Rutgers, at Marshall. Like those are four teams where if you play poorly, you could lose. It's really not crazy to think that, that they're going to start two and two for for the year in the non con, and then you roll right into Pitt, Florida State, Wake. Maybe you get a breather with Syracuse at Louisville at Boston College, NC State, UVA. Like, listen, uh, Jim Phillips has a lot of stuff he has to fix for the ACC. One of the first things he really needs to do is have a, like a come to Jesus talk with his ads about not conference scheduling. There's some of these ads who do this money grab stuff, and uh, yeah, don't forget ODU beat them last year too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Has has their number because uh, they couldn't score any points. Really. Mm. Joe Milton was the starting quarterback for the Orange Bowl, but he is in spring practice with an extremely gifted and highly touted quarterback named Nico Iamaelieva. Is Nico going to get this job out from Joe Milton's extremely strong arms? <laughs> I wonder if I can well, get my we don't know if his left arm seconds. is that strong. I've I've got to assume that is, as strong as his um, throwing arm is, if his other arm is not strong, then he would tip over. He would just not be able to walk. <laughs> Look, I I think Joe Milton has a puncher's chance to hold on to this job. Right, he's extremely strong. The arm is it's probably the best in college football. Right, I mean, like you just don't see guys just flick the ball with their wrist and throw it seventy yards. 
you know, and, and he does that. Sometimes he throws it to the other team. Sometimes he throws it into the stands, which has generally been the problem really throughout high school, right? Like guy wasn't accurate in high school, wasn't accurate in Michigan, uh, you know, wasn't accurate so far in his career at Tennessee. But the upside is really, really there. And Nico is a dude who has awesome physical tools. I mean, one, of the, one of the absolute best volleyball players in the country, just a freakish athlete, really good quarterback, productive guy. I think that just like based on how this staff is talking publicly, I think it's Milton. I think they they think they've unlocked some things in him and that he's going to be better. But like I'm, he's kind of the guy that like gets coaches fired because they believe in him, they believe in the tools, and all of a sudden, nope, they can't get it out of him. Right? What 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 can you do that that Harbaugh couldn't, that other coaches couldn't? Right? It's concerning when you have a, a you know career completion percentage just not able to throw strikes ever. But maybe he can he, get it together. He That's, played pretty good against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I also think there's something where, you know, he 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 was named starter before Hendon Hooker comes in there, and then you get benched, and you kind of watch the other guy, and if you learn anything, it's like I can make all those throws if I just make the decisions he did. Like maybe there's some confidence from from watching somebody else just absolutely crush it in that system and make it look pretty easy. Like, hey, I can trust the system. I don't have to be the hero every single time. Also, what is Ayamaleva? Uh, uh, What's he weigh? Is there any aspect about him? Like he is, looks like he's a buck sixty-five. I mean, I know he's not, but he looks skinny. Is he ready for the the pounding he's going to take yet? I had him at two hundred. Yeah, six six, two hundred pounds. Yeah, but oh, that's what he's listed. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I just seen video of him throwing. Two hundred is also skinny. for six six. Two hundred is pretty skinny. Slim. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he looks skinny. Like, he looks like he needs to bulk up a little bit. And then there's Milton, who he's going to stand next to, who looks like, you know, <laughs> he's jacked. I think that the good thing here is like, is there any scheme out there that schemes things up more for the quarterback than Tennessee? I mean, I'm not going to call it a one race system, but I think USC even asks more as far as processing than Tennessee yeah. does. Tennessee is just like, we're going to scheme one guy for you most of the time. You know, it's, one of the truest forms of what they were running at Baylor. First of all, like if you're Tennessee's baseball coach, what and you see Joe Milton, don't you just <laughs> kind of wonder? Like, do you, do you go to Josh Hype and be like, "Can I just, can I just try something real quick? I want to see what this guy could do for an inning." Do you, you know, know Tennessee game? has that guy that throws like 103, right? Yeah, but I'm, that's okay. what I'm saying. But if I could throw Joe Milton in there too with him, come on, my bullpen is shut down. Listen, yeah. we are about player safety, and we cannot put batters in the box with Joe Milton on the mound. Okay, this <laughs> I is don't know, man. Like player safety, that is a psychological advantage because there is nothing hitter like hitters don't mind a hundred so much as as long as it's over the plate. But if if they know you're throwing a hundred and you have no idea where it's going, you're going to win that at bat because they're terrified. Um, yeah, how about this I don't quote? How about this quote? Why Joe Milton never played baseball? He said, you know, like he's seen coaches like you, Tom, who said, I want to see him do it. Milton said, I threw the ball once when asked if he ever played baseball. And then my high school coach told me not to do it anymore. It was kind of one of those. Let's try it out once. If you like, it, you can stick to it. I did like it, but he told me I couldn't do it. He wanted me to finish playing football. 
Oh, so it was his football coach you told it me. It sounds to. like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah, he's probably say, doing a hundred, and the guy's like, "No, no, no, we don't want to move our starting quarterback <laughs> to a UCL surgery." Also, like Chip, you mentioned Joe Milton's got a very strong arm. Nico has very strong arms. He has to carry that bag around. Uh, that also is going to be something that's going to be interesting when these battles play Mm -hmm. out the pressure that comes from the collectives that are thinking they're they they brought this player in they didn't pay him to sit on the bench that's gonna be an interesting dynamic that unfolds um i'm gonna grab the wheel and then we'll uh, open it up but cincinnati's gonna be in the big 12 this year they're gonna be led by scott satterfield and they have a competition ben bryant a returning starter evan prater you know highly touted prospect who we saw flashes of um and, and by flashes i don't mean like a lot of awesome things like literally he got in the game for little bits of time um and then emory jones Dude remembering Emory Jones in the Cincinnati uh, quarterback battle. Ben Bryant, Evan Prater, Emory Jones. Um, what are we expecting from the Cincinnati quarterback battle? I feel like old guys are just yelling at Emory Jones to go get a job. Like, really? Like, like you're still in college football? But, I mean, he's on scholarships. not costing anything, right? Like, you're not racking up debt doing it. So, might as well keep having fun if you can for free. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. I... Uh, like Prater was was just straight bad last year, right? Like, it was like so disappointing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really was. I thought he had tools and just doesn't seem to process. Ben Bryant is is not a difference maker. Emory Jones got benched for uh, a true freshman there at, at Arizona State. Uh, it really was was bad and wasn't any good at Florida, really. So, I, I uh, yeah, I'm not real high on this quarterback room. I don't know if that's evident by my comments here, but I am really high on their defense. So. My guess here, because Scott Satterfield is not going to want to start the first year in the Big 12 by missing a bowl, and they have a non-conference schedule, which has two pretty winnable games in Miami, Ohio, and Eastern Kentucky, and then they have to play at Pitt, in which they'll be an underdog. Um, they do miss Texas. They have to go. They have to uh, play Oklahoma, and that's one of their home games, uh, which you know kind of stinks. You think you'd rather play your big dog games on the road. Um, but maybe they pick the guy who is just most capable of taking care of the football and throwing off play action and playing off what should be, I think, a pretty salty defense, even with the loss of Ivan Pace. So I whew, I don't know. These names are not really confidence-inspiring for me right now. I'm, I'm taking a deliberate approach where I'm going to be like, all right, with Sat. Because I like this team's at App State. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the deliberate approach of saying, you know, maybe Louisville just didn't work, whatever reason, just was never going right. The vibes were always off. I'm going to write that off. I'm going to give him a chance at Cincinnati here. But I'm with you, bud. This quarterback room does not inspire a ton of confidence in me for Cincinnati in 2023. So if I'm Scott Satterfield taking over the program first year, replacing a guy who literally took them to the college football playoff, had a lot of success when they were still a G5, going into the Big 12, Ben Bryant, okay. Emory Jones, okay. Evan Prater, disappointing last year, but still young. There's mm-hmm. still a chance that I can get something out of him. It's my first year. I know that Cincinnati fans probably aren't going to want to go this way, but I wouldn't have high expectations for the Bearcats first year in the Big 12 with this as your quarterback situation. So I would go with Prater. I'm probably going to take some lumps in year one, but I get some, you know, I've, I've still got time on my side. I would rather develop him, see what I've got, because Jones and Bryant aren't going to be there for year two anyway. And if Prater doesn't work, then I will be in the transfer portal 
this offseason looking for somebody to come in as competition. So that is the route I would probably be looking to go if I'm Scott Satterfield. What is Prater? Did he have a red shirt? I thought he did. Because he enrolled in 20. So, like, I mean, he's, so he's a senior then. If he hasn't redshirted, yeah. But he would get the COVID year. Hmm. Right? 2021, yeah. 22. Yeah. How about if you're Scott Satterfield? So um, you're coming into the Big 12, your first offensive coordinator hire, you go get Tom Manning, somebody who's got a lot of experience at Iowa State. Uh, he and Matt Campbell ended up parting ways at the end of the 2022 season. But on its face, I was like, okay, that seems to make sense. You're stepping into this league, um, you know, hiring Tom Manning. That's that is at least going to help you be able to game plan against these big 12 defenses and, and figure out what you need to do. Then Tom Manning leaves. He was on the job for about a month and a half, goes and takes a job with the Indianapolis Colts. And so to replace him, Scott Satterfield hires Brad Glenn, who was just to really you know, bring it right back to where we were with Virginia tech, the passing game coordinator for the Virginia tech Hokies last season. However, 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 he was also with Scott Satterfield back at App State uh, from 2005 to 2011. So they won some national championships during that time um, at the FCS level. So you take it both ways. On one hand, you're hiring the quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator for Virginia Tech last season. That's going to bum you out. But you're also bringing in somebody with championship experience uh, along, coaching alongside Satterfield. So there's a, you know, that, that's where you're at right now with Brad Glenn as your offensive coordinator overseeing this battle. All right, where, where else do you want to turn our attention in the little time we got left? What about the Florida situation? Like, you bring in Graham Mertz as a transfer. You had Rashada. That all happened. And you've also got Jack Miller, who transferred in from Ohio State last year. Is that a legit QB battle, or do you think Graham Mertz is the guy who was brought in to be, like, the number two, and then after Rashada happens, now he's the – prerequisite number one because you've had a year with Miller you know exactly who you have and you are still pretty active in the market this offseason looking for new names I mean I I think that they wanted to get Michael Pratt from Tulane I think that's very well known within the industry and that you know he ended up staying so uh I think they had to get somebody to go out and start I don't know if I really trust Jack Miller to be honest I, I don't think he's actually a guy that, that can play in the SEC um if, he, if they really thought he would, do you go out and get Graham Mertz? I'm skeptical of that. Reports out of practice with Graham Mertz have been sort of mixed so far, to put it kindly. Uh, it's Graham Mertz. Yeah. I I think it's still Graham Mertz. I would be very surprised if he didn't win the job, but I don't know that he has – that there's just no doubt that he's the guy right now. Maybe he is. Uh. By the way, looks like their uh, their lineman who they got from Baylor, uh, uh, shoot, not not forgetting his name, really really good player from from Baylor may not be transferring, uh, but we still have to see if he's hurt or not. But just chasing down the rumors there, so that's kind of an important situation to watch because we talked about Florida's O line depth before that went down that night, and I was like, ooh, that's that's kind of bad. Um, is Brennan Armstrong going to be the starter at NC State? I was going to ask you this. I mean, you're the one in Raleigh. You tell us. If he's I mean, not, is MJ Morris dipping? You mean if he is, is MJ me, Morris? If he wins the job, does MJ Morris stick around? I think that it is being, I think it is going to be pitched to um, MJ Morris that we, we would like to have you both to start the season. I think that that's, 
that whether my expectation is that Brennan Armstrong is the QB one, but also with Robert and I being, you know, the, um, you know, really creative, uh, I would not be surprised if NC state uses multiple quarterbacks. Right. Or let's play out into the season at least. I think Armstrong comes in, reunites with an eye. Odds are he's going to be starting early, but I wouldn't be surprised if MJ Morris is getting plenty of snaps and then maybe is the starter by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, they so they do have Notre Dame in week two, which is going to be very dicey, but at least they've got that game at home. The rest of the early season schedule, you start at UConn at UConn. Wow. Um, or maybe Brendan Armstrong follows the Keaton Thompson path and becomes their number one wide receiver. I, I think that MJ Morris was impressive in what he showed us last year and his decision to, you know, stick around and also the way that they treated some of his injury issues. Remember where it was like, we thought he was coming back. We thought he was coming back. No, mm-hmm. actually we're you know shutting this down. We're going to let Ben Finley take over. It definitely had the sense of we are, we're letting you know that we are putting your health as a top priority if we think there's going to be any further injury, we don't want that to happen because you are a part of the future. I don't think they're going to sell out that entire future just for one year of Brennan Armstrong, especially when Armstrong wasn't even great last year. So it'll, uh, I would give Armstrong the edge here, but then make sure whatever you do that Morris as your QB one for 2024 is still ready to go. All right. Um, sorry, Tom. How about the Mountaineers? I mean, in celebration, well, not celebration, but in remembrance of Coca uh, being gone, Garrett Green, I think, is the dude over Nico Marchio. There are too many Garretts and Gunners (laughs) out in these streets. Garrett Green at West Virginia, Garrett Wrangle at Oklahoma State, Garrett Wrangle against Gunner Gundy. Yeah, like, where did the Gunner thing start? Like, why did that name become so popular? Like, there's always, like, you saw Jalen became a name all of a sudden in the early mid-90s because of Jalen Rose in Michigan in the Fab Five. When did the Gunner thing start? What was the inspiration there? Because there's, like, a billion of them now. I don't know. There's a crew and a cruise on my son's three-year-old T-ball team, by the way, which is extremely confusing. Gunner. Dog name. (laughs) (laughs) Got a dog name. Um, here, boy, here, boy, here, here, Gunner. Come here, Gunner. I mean, yeah, like the Oklahoma State quarterback situation is kind of bleak, right? Yes. I'm, I'm not enthused by it. I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily going to be uh, a strength through and through. West Virginia, I, I've got no, no real good read on that one. Um, yeah, there's some, I, I believe Tyler Shuck, definitely, I mean, if healthy, he's definitely going to be there, right? At Texas Tech, so. probably, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some, there, there's some, some spots where there is a quarterback battle, but it is not a quarterback battle that has me being like, "Ooh, wow, whoever wins this is really, you know, one like beating out the competition," and I am ready to watch this offense in the upcoming season. I could be, I would be ready to be proven wrong about that in the fall, but that that one at West Virginia and the one at Oklahoma state right now do not seem to be uh, resonating as high on my, on my big board. Any others, bud, you, you look miserable. Can, can we, you just want to get out of here? You need to, we need to fix this AC. Yeah. I got to make some phone calls. Okay. <laughs> we will be back. Hey, listen, 
this was a show idea from uh, our own Danny Cannell. He said, you know what? We need to like sit down and, and remind everyone and remind ourselves of what we're going to be looking at in terms of the 2023 season because it's going to be different. There, we just talked about Cincinnati's going to be in the Big 12. So a full conference realignment reset heading into 2023, breaking down some of the interesting moves, some of the new matchups, rivalry schedules, and the like uh, should be a fun time to help get us uh, repositioned and refocused on the season ahead. Again, spring ball underway and a, a lot of good stuff to be able to get to within college football. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank God I'm not named Gunner. <laughs> See ya.